This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast. We talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I'm Christopher Hine, head instructor at Aikido of Fresno, and with me is Joshua Tihi, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And Maya Solana McDaniel, first Q and student at Aikido of Fresno. And Josh, your cadence was a little different. Than yeah, I was no. trying something He's new. Messing, miss, mixing it up? Yeah, trying something new. Giving yeah. us that sultry right. tone. Right. Yeah. A little, little sultry. Yeah. Berry? A little sultry berry tone? Sultry. Yeah. <laughs> berry tone? Dropping, dropping the voice down a bit. Hmm. As long as you don't have the Rona, then we're fine. Yeah. yeah. We're all Rona free at this moment. Yeah. Um, so, we have a topic. Uh, this one was sent to us by a listener, so much appreciated. Um. Maya, Maya pulled it up so she can read it. She's and then ready we to go. jump Here right into is. it. <laughs> She's navigating now. Um, so this one comes from uh, Brooke Ferragamo, one did of we, our... Did we finally figure out how to pronounce his name? Are we Ferragamo. doing it correct? Yeah, I okay. think. I think. I, right. think I mean, he hasn't said anything about it, so... I think he said uh, no, that it was before, right. Oh, yeah. yeah, before, because yeah. he, he was laughing about how uh, we, we couldn't figure it out. He was like, I loved well, hearing you all try to pronounce my name. But I think my, my, my was clinch and got it. Thanks. Very good. Thanks. Um, so, uh, this comes from Brooke and, uh, he's one of our patrons. So thank you so much for the question suggestion and also for giving us money every month. What the <laughs> heck? Um, so obviously, um, lots of people's dojos are closed right now. He said his home dojo, which is San Francisco Aikikai, uh, is closed until May 1st. Shout out. Uh, yeah. Shout out to San Francisco Aikikai, um, due to the coronavirus, um, and he said, I very much agree with my sensei's decision. During this time, I've been trying to maintain a connection with the art by practicing weapons and footwork, which I think is what a lot of people are doing. Um, he said, I'm still Q ranked and I'm worried that when I'm practicing alone without guidance or correction, I will unknowingly develop bad habits that will set me back once I get back to the dojo. Do you have suggestions for low level students practicing alone to avoid bad habits and maybe have some growth in the absence of formal practice? It's a good one. It's it is a good one. <clears throat> I think, you know, definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, we talked a little bit about this last time, but, um, you know, right now this is a situation that a lot of people are probably going through where they're finding themselves at home uh, without training partners or an ability to get out and train. And, you know, you want to do the right thing, but what if you're in a position that you don't even necessarily know what the right thing is? Yeah, where difficult. do you begin, you know? Um, and what are some ways to kind of keep yourself on the path without, um, you know, doing stuff that maybe will cause you harm down the road? Yeah. It's a, it's a hard subject, and it's funny because, like, from where I personally am now, it doesn't seem like that hard a question, but um, I remember, and still actually <laughs> now when I'm learning new things, I feel this way because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so it's real hard to to say like, well, how do I be careful not to do the wrong thing when I don't even know exactly what the wrong thing is? Right. Uh, you know, my answer is, would be like, um, eh, who like don't worry, like d- don't worry yeah. about it because um, that's the it, the thing is going to happen. That's if it's if it happens, it's going to happen. Um, and so you can, I guess, mitigate it a little bit. And I would suggest that you do that, but don't get so wrapped up in the fact that you're not doing everything 100% completely correct because you're not going to be able to. I, that's how I feel about it is like on some level, you're always going to mess something up. Mm-hmm. Like you you just can't, whatever level you're at, there's 
I mean, your ability to pay attention to the different details of something goes up as you learn more about the subject and as you've spent physically a lot of time doing a thing. But no matter where you're at, they're always like, you can't make everything absolutely perfect. So like, no matter what, you're going to be ignoring some things and thus maybe not doing them perfectly. Um, and obviously there's that fear there that you're going to ingrain a wrong habit. But let me tell you, like, I have felt like that, like as a student watching other students, like, oh, please don't make the same ha- bad habits that I had to correct. And so I'm always trying to like tell mm-hmm. other students like, oh, don't forget to do that just because I had a hard time overcoming that one. But then I realized that there's other things that they're going to mess up and ingrain other bad habits. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's just like, you're, you're always going to have to retrain some stuff. You're always going to have to, you know, iron some things out because that's the nature of training. That's the... A- <laughs> so that's a long way for me to say like that's just kind of how training is so like in some ways like you got to let go of the idea that you're going to train something the first time correctly completely um, and then never have to go back and, and and fix things but i get the idea though in this particular case that you know yeah part of the fear i think is that like you are training on your own for an extended period right of time, yeah you right know? and so that's where you begin to do stupid stuff that you may think is Correct, you know, because how many times have we watched, you you know, something and seen how someone does something or how we perceive them to be doing it only to realize later like, oh, that's not quite what I had in my my head and I've been doing it like this. Right. Um, And then, yeah, it does begin. It does. It is difficult sometimes to untrain things once you set them in, you know, into your subconscious mind. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's a, that's a good place to really start hitting this. Um, I mean, I think by the time we get to the end of this podcast, we're, we're going to basically have the answer that you guys just had right now, because that's basically <laughs> what my answer is. But but let's talk about why that is. Um, and, and I think you got to kind of dig into the conscious mind and unconscious mind. And you got to we got to talk about what training is. Um, and I feel like, you know, I've used the word training for God knows how many years um, without for a long time understanding exactly what training was. And like, so... To me, there's two kinds of things. Um, well, there's a lot of things martial arts could be. We tend to call it all training. But um, one thing that you're learning in a dojo um, is information about how stuff works. Like, And that's just intellectual Knowledge. information, right? Like, yeah, like, you know, how does one person hit another person? How do people wrestle? How do whatever, whatever it is you're learning, you know? And that's, yeah, knowledge. And then the other thing you're getting is the actual internal ability to do that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I'll give an example from experience. Yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'll give you a, a, a an example from me and Josh and Maya. We we a lot of times have a little Saturday group, and just the three of us get together and do some training. And we decided we wanted to learn some um, foil and some small sword techniques. Um, now I had read through the material, and I understood what we needed to do, um, but I didn't. I couldn't do it because I hadn't done that much, you know? So so even though intellectually I knew what we were doing, I couldn't do it yet. And so I needed to train myself to do that. And then another instructor came in and he, he started telling us things that we should do, you know, and he had more experience with small sword. But it was a little irritating because it's like, yeah, we're all on board that that is what we need to do. Right. None of us can do it now. None of us are at the level where we can make the corrections that he was giving us. Right. You know? Right. And so so that's an important thing to understand is it's like when you're training something, you're doing something, you're, you're, you're teaching yourself an action that happens so fast that you can't intellectually account for it in the moment. So it has to be on the unconscious level. 
Um, and that's what training is. It's teaching the unconscious mind to do something without having to have a conscious response, you know, and, and an easy example, and I use this a lot in self-defense seminars is when you touch something hot, you have an unconscious desire to pull your hand away, you know? Um, and that's because it's real fast. If every time you touch something hot, you had to go, is huh. this hot? This is, what is the nature yeah. of hot? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And then your hand. Yeah. And then you've <laughs> lost your hand, third degree burns, you know, but we touch it and we immediately pull our hands away. And then there's times where, you know, like the other day I picked up a hot pot that I didn't understand the hand the handle was hot till I picked mm. it up, but I also didn't want to drop the food all over the floor. Yeah. And so my unconscious mind did interrupt my pattern to just pull my hand away. And I got a little more burnt than I would like to have, but I tried to save the food. Right. You know, like, so there is this training can involve lots of different things. And, but what we're doing when we're training is we're teaching ourselves an unconscious skill. And that's the idea. Um, and then that really relates to what Maya was talking about when she was saying that, like, you can't pay attention to everything at once. Um, so when you're training something, you know, there's how many ever things you have to take into account. You know, you have to take your partner's actions into account that's a huge one plus you have to take your body's action into account and plus you have to at least at least these three figure out what your future result is right so yeah if you're doing a technique you're like okay do i have coke right now am i you know am i present right now um do i have hadagi you know are my hands in front of my center um you know oh is my hand on his elbow for this eq i'm doing right, right. now you know and all those variables she said are just you right not then even there counting is for the other person. them. What are they thinking? What is their action? How fast are they? What distance are they at? Et cetera, so forth. Mm -hmm. And then you have to take both those into account and make a future prediction. If I do this, he'll do that. If I do this, he'll do that. I can't do this because he's fast. You know, like, yeah. so you have to at least do those three big gross ones. And each one of those have a ton of sub factors. So the problem is you can't consciously process all that. It's just impossible to fit it all into time. So what you do is you unconsciously train yourself to do stuff. Um, and so when you're talking about training, what you're doing is you're teaching that unconscious result. And so what, or action, what Brooke's asking is how do I make sure I'm not training those incorrectly, right? So how am I pushing something into my unconscious mind that's not going right. to be incorrect? And, uh, and the other thing too to understand with that is that because there's so many different things to focus on uh, that are all happening at once in any given Inter physical interaction that we're trying to learn part of training is for the teacher to come up with good ways to make it more simple for people's unconscious minds to grasp those pieces you know so it's like um you know if you're doing a kihon technique you're cutting away a lot of stuff that a person could do to respond or all these other live elements that are too much for your unconscious mind and so it's easier just to focus on a smaller set of variables that are still a lot for your unconscious mind to handle all at once and so that's why you have those different types of training methods is so that you can kind of focus on you different know, parts of different, different parts of that right um so i think when when we're getting at that so now that we kind of have a, an outline of what training is then you have to say, what specifically do you want to get trained, right? Yeah. So I want to um, not move my body in an incorrect way. I want to get this order of operations right. I want to um, whatever, react to this thing, whatever. I don't know whatever it is specifically we're talking about training. You have to narrow it down to that thing. And then once you narrow it down to that tiny thing, you can now, with the advent of YouTube and your access to tons of videos, you can watch a teacher doing that specific thing. So that's what I was going to say. You know, the first uh, thing that I, I would do if, to make sure you were not training something correctly is make sure you have the correct information going in. Right. Yes. Right. right. So find the best possible um, 
example or demonstration of the thing that you want to learn. And whether it's, you know, on YouTube or, or um, you know, from your instructor, yeah. however that might, <clears throat> you might get that if you're on your own. But um, that's where I would start. So make sure that the information you're using at the beginning is correct. Um, and then your outcome will probably be fairly close, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the two biggest issues when you're, um, and you can probably split, you know, find more issues, but two of the biggest issues that you have if you're training on your own without a teacher there um, is, you know, if you, even if you have a partner, so this is with a partner that you can practice on, the biggest thing is getting that feedback, what, like from your actual teacher saying, hey, if you try it like this, it'll work better for you, or here's the problem you're having. So having like an outside person who knows what's going on, um, letting you, giving you f- feedback in the moment as to why things are happening. Because the biggest thing that you'll probably run into is if you're working on a technique that you aren't fully aware of the issues that my, may arise, then you'll have a weird problem and not know why your uke isn't right. doing what they what you want them to do or something's not fitting right, your hand's feeling weird, whatever. It's, it's going to be difficult to get that feedback. Well, more than that, you know, just uh, even if we're talking about something like as simple as, you know, uh, like a footwork or something. Right, yeah. You know, there's a lot of times where you're doing things that you don't even know that right. you're doing. Right. So you're yeah. practicing, uh, you know, your uh, footwork drills, and before every move, you're making a preparatory action before every, every step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not needed. You probably won't, unless you're really observant of your own body, you may be doing that without even understanding it. Um, and so having someone be able to watch it and go like, Hey, right before you step, you're actually setting, a, setting your, your weight or whatever. Um, that is a nice thing to have because then you can actually, you know, see it. Um, so that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a bad habit that you might not even recognize right, as right. such. You know? So maybe two ways that you can solve the issue of not having a teacher present who's watching and, and helping you along in that process is either starting with a plan as to uh, notes or uh, uh, tips that you've already had from your teacher. And so, oh, I've had my teacher repeat to me a lot in class that um, when I sit to, or when I kneel to do the pin, I don't tuck my, my toes as I should when I do whatever pin. Um, and so just practice, you know, if you have a partner, if you don't, you know, focusing on making sure you tuck your toes every time you sit down to do the pin. And that's something you've already been told. So you know that it's right. a good piece of right. advice. So here I think we have a strategy already being outlined, which is like first, um, train the things that you've already been told are incorrect that you know you need to train. Right. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. so my teacher's told me this 30 times, keep my hands in front of my center. So now I'm going to focus on everything I do. I keep my hands in front of my center, whatever the, that specific tip is. Right. Um, and then another thing, and Josh hit on this, and I think this is another uh, good useful tip, is if your teacher has a video particularly, but if not, if there's a video from your lineage or a video – of someone that's, you know, uh, a high-ranking student at your dojo or um, someone that you know your teacher says like, oh, you know, we like Nishio or we like yeah. Yamada or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, take that video. Take a video of them doing the thing you want to do. Then video yourself from the same angle doing it yeah. and then compare them side by side. And, yeah. and with the, the internet today or with the computers today, it should be pretty okay. easy to actually call them up so you can play them side by side. Um, but do that and then see if they're doing it 
like you're doing it or you're doing it like they're doing it rather, right? So so allow yourself to see that because if you pull yourself out of it, now you're suddenly having to process less. So you can actually watch your foot move when it yeah. shouldn't move. That was going to be my next two is like watch yourself do it, you know, be your own uh, judge. I literally in the middle of class once, I, I told the student that uh, she was moving her foot and then she she didn't think she was. And at one point she exclaimed, you know, she's like, I'm not moving my foot. So I literally got a video camera out and videoed her and then showed it back to her and she could watch her foot moving. And so it's like when you're trying to process a million things, it's hard for you to pay attention if your foot is moving or not. But if you have it videoed and you can relax and watch that casually, especially if you've got something to immediately compare it to, then that's, you know, an ideal. Yeah. That's something too, I mean, depends on, really, really depends on you know, how big your dojo is and what your sensei is up to at the current moment. But if you've got a good relationship with your sensei, that wouldn't be a horrible thing to say, hey, I know you maybe you're busy right now, but could you watch this tiny video of me and see if there's anything really glaring that I could fix, you know? And that's, if you, if that's something that they're willing to help you with, that might be good feedback to right. take back and go, right. oh, okay, he said fix this. Now right. I'm going to focus on that. You know, if right now, by the way, if any of my students, if you're listening, um, uh, if me and my students had asked, hey, sensei, would you make a video of this? Right now, I'd be more than happy to make a video of whatever they want. And so maybe um, contacting your sensei, you know, not in person, uh, within six feet, but, um, <laughs> you know, contacting your sensei and and saying like, hey, um, do you have a video on this thing? Or I don't know what the relationship with your sensei is, so maybe I'm breaching protocol. But if you have the kind of relationship where you can do that, ask. Or, a, or even or a well-ranked top, right, student. high-ranked yeah. student. Yeah. Whoever it is in the day that you could talk to about, you know. That sort of thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think filming yourself is great. Um, and, and things that you would be doing on your own, footwork, uh, suburi, if you're doing weapons work, those are things that, like, um, you can film and, and take pieces of and, and correct fairly easily, I think. Right, you right, know? right. You can look and, and quickly go, like... And I would also say if you're doing weapons work... A good thing that I would suggest doing um, is uh, finding a way to, to hit the shit out of stuff. Oh yeah, you man. know, yeah, yeah. Um, and that will um, that will untrain bad habits that you have or instill uh, proper habits because when you hit things, um, you know, there's instant feedback there. Like yeah. that gives you feed the the feedback that you might get from your instructor or whatever it's going to be you're going to get that feedback from the thing that you're hitting um so that to me would be a, a good one if if you're doing weapons work you know that's what i would do and this is this is another big broad category that you should think about which is uh understand intellectually what you're trying to achieve in the training so beyond just copying someone else which is definitely when you don't understand what's going on a, a method you've got to use but understand why it is you want to do this thing and then you will be able to like if you can clearly understand that concept then you will be able for yourself to decide if you're doing it or not so understand the purpose and, and like why that relates to what josh just said is when you're trying to hit something hard you will see when you hit the thing if it it's is hard, hard or not right. um so you can immediately yeah. get it you know or if it's coming out of your hands or if it's uncomfortable to hit or if you're unbalanced when you hit it or whatever things come up it's like yeah, oh well that's not how you hit things bouncing or right. any number of other weird stuff that have you can't target correctly like all of those things yeah. right and i think that's good like to think about is that even if it's you're not doing sword stuff like focusing on how something feels rather than how it looks is important too um because and I've because I've run into this mistake multiple times where I'm trying to replicate the way something looks rather than trying to feel it 
like like operate in a way that feels correct right yeah yeah. and then like you know get to the heart of what i'm trying to do you know because sometimes it may look different but if it's um overall you're you're feeling the right kind of way then that is often a more important piece than just replicating how it looks um and so i think the sword stuff is a great example of that which is um focus on how is the sword feeling in your hands when you hit something hard and and what kind of feedback is it actually giving you um, and, and opening yourself up to how that feels. Um, or like, I don't know, I was thinking about um, having Haragi when you do the um, the turn on a Shionage, you know? Um, it's easy to do a Shionage, like tr- try and replicate how that looks on someone. And even if you don't have a partner to practice with, focusing on like, I want to have my hands, I'm putting them right now. <laughs> I want to have my hands right in front of my face where I can see them and be grabbing, you know, be shionogging all the way around where I can still see that the whole time. You know, so like feeling how it feels right, rather than right. just like making it look like what right. your sensei does. Here's another important thing to talk about. I hadn't thought about this, but um, I used to do this all the time when I was injured. Um, when you're watching videos, try to feel it in yourself. And this is a weird thing to talk about, but if you... Uh, once you've done actions a bunch, um, and you know if you've trained for a year or so at least, you you could do this. But um, you know how the actions feel, right? And if you want to kind of calibrate it uh, inside your head, you could watch someone walk, and then imagine walking as they walk. You know, so like watch a video of someone walking, and then just feel your foot hitting the ground in your head when their foot hits the ground. And you can do this, and you kind of calibrate yourself to do this. Um, and then when you watch a video, you can put yourself in the shoes of the person doing the technique, right? So like when I watch students, I use this skill all the time. Like I'll watch them and I'll feel how their body feels when they're doing it. Um, because I've done it a million times. So I know what it feels like inside of me. And so when I can see it now, I can do that too. And so by having the skill, I can usually tell like, oh, you're uncomfortable here, huh? And then when I say that 99% of the time, they're like, oh yeah, I am. And then we can correct it. And so when you're learning it for yourself, if you're watching video of, of some some Shihan that you think's, you know, a good guy, he's awesome, does stuff right, then when you're watching that, see if you can feel how his body feels. And that's different than just watching it. You'll actually like, it's like your nervous system yeah. feels it. I don't know how to describe it, but I used to do this when I was injured all the time because, yeah, I would, I would like, you know, twist my ankle or my knee would be screwed up or something. And so I couldn't train. So I'd go sit and watch class. And when I would do it, I would feel everyone on the mat, you know, and I would just switch around. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to feel that guy now. And I would see how it felt when they did the technique. It's interesting because right now as you were saying that, then I was picturing like a, a, a role in my head and I could feel right. what it feels like to do the role huh. or whatever right. it was. Yeah. So right. There's a study I remember hearing about. They took, um, I probably mentioned this on podcast before because I think it, it made my mind think about a lot of awesome stuff. They did a study with basketball and they um, had three different groups of basketball players and they, um, they had some criteria that measured uh, how well they were at dribbling and ball handling and how well they were at shooting and all that kind of stuff. And they, they took a, a, a baseline for these different groups. And then one of the groups um, played basketball, I think, like four times a week every week. Like they had them get together and play basketball. Then another group was told for that same amount of time four times a week. So it was like, you know, they play for an hour or something. So for an hour, they would sit on their own and picture basketball. And then another group was told to do nothing. And the group that, of course, the group that actually played basketball had the biggest rewards. But the group that sat and thought about it had like, 40% of the rewards of the other group, you know? So like there was a significant jump up in their ability to play basketball just from sitting and 
thinking about how it works, you know, and and I would hypothesize that they didn't get into this, but they probably stopped just thinking about it. Like, oh, basketballs are cool. I like basketball. At a certain point, they were feeling, yeah. Right. They were feeling how it is to shoot. They were feeling how it is to move. It's not a passive experience as an active, like, brain uh, exercise. So my brother is a a bowler, uh, PBA bowler. Professionally, somewhat. And um, that was one of the things that, um, you know, he had gone to a sports psychologist and that was one of the things that they had always said is like, you know, spend some time just feeling like feeling through what the perfect arm swing is. Right. Like just feel and and if you can feel that and, and picture the perfect the perfect strike, you know, in your mind, uh, that's going to be helpful. Right. You know? Right. So that was a, a thing that he would do for however long, you know. Yeah, I think it's real good stuff. And, and it comes from you've got to actually do it. You can't have, have no experience right, right. with it. But then once you do, you know, you get the most out of it by thinking about it. And like watching videos of someone do some, someone who has technique that you respect and then emulating that in your head while you're watching them is really useful. So you, I think another thing too is like, and then this is maybe just general advice for when you're responsible for your own like workout or anything when you're by yourself right now trying to plan what to train and and how to train it like spend some time beforehand figuring out what you're going to train before you go out and do it because I I always feel like when you have some kind of plan about okay I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this it's a lot easier to get more out of your training when you have an idea of like what you're you know not to that's not to say you can't change what you're training as you're doing it but like I don't know I think sometimes it's easy to go out there and go okay I'm out here with my Joe right I'm going to do like what, a couple of... Yeah, what do I do? Okay. Swing it around. And so. I, yeah, I would also definitely add to that. Um, give yourself a time minimum. You know, yes. I'm going to do yeah. this for 30 minutes. Because then even if, you know, even if you don't have a good plan, if you're yeah. standing there and you're going to force yourself to do it for 30 minutes mm-hmm. and you're standing there with nothing to do for 15 minutes, you'll get creative right. because you'll get right. sick of just standing right. there bored. So yeah. you will figure something out to do. <laughs> it's funny how our brains plan that. So you're like, get creative. And I'm like, make a plan. Right. But I mean, you know... It's <laughs> Either same diff, way. yeah. Right. Like, find, like, make sure that you that you are spending that time that you're not just like, oh, okay, I was out here for ten minutes. I yeah. guess that'll do. Right. You know, right. I I always had a, a routine. You know, it was like I'm going to do uh, all of the suburi, uh three times in three different configurate. Right. You know, fast, slow, smooth, like whatever. Uh, and then I'm going to do each of the partner practices. Uh, both sides like by myself but I'll do both sides you know back and forth yeah. to make sure I can do them in my head and there was so the, and then uh, another there was like three things um, and it was like I can't be done until I do all of that those things you know right yeah I th- okay so here's a question for people that are let's say you're like a mid-ranked uh, Q um and you have some Aikido experience and you're wanting to train on your own, but there are definitely things that you haven't learned, don't know, but you're looking at maybe for your next test and your sensei hasn't had the chance to teach you it or you only have a couple practices in on, you know, whatever, uh, katate dori, you know, shionage or something. Um, should you try and start tackling new stuff or should you stick to things that you uh, are more familiar with? So I think you should tackle the things you know you need to work on first, you know, so uh-huh. 
just like we said earlier, like, you know, if you know you have a problem with Hadagi, then work Hadagi problems. Um, and then as you feel like you've gotten as far as you can now, you know, and I do this all the time where like, you know, I'll work on something for two months and then it's like, eh, I could keep working on this, but I've gotten most of what I'm going to get now. So I'm going to work on another thing. And then when I come back to this in a, in a month or two, we'll see where we are. Yeah. I'll, I might pick up a little more. So, so I would say definitely work on the stuff first that you know, you need to work on, you know, like I do preparatory action before I step, I do whatever, whatever the thing is. Um, and then once you feel like you're like, okay, I've gone through that enough that I can't, I get bored. I don't know. I don't want to say bored, but like I get, I get to where I'm, I'm reaping small rewards um, yeah. when I, when I practice this, then move on to something new. And I don't think there's anything wrong with moving on to something that you don't have a lot of familiarity with before, but you have to, then you're going to have to force yourself to get familiarity with it. Right. And, right. And luckily now there's tons of, I mean, you can access any technique you want online now. Right. Um, and you could see, you know, 30 different teachers, which is not an advantage I had when I was learning, you know, like, but you could look at 30 different teachers, and so then you can start to get familiarity. Like, oh, you know, uh, whoever, um, you know, Satomi does it this way, and Saito did it this way, and, you know. So you think it would be okay to start kind of pushing through to new material? Yeah. No, I, I mean, so I don't want to say that hesitantly at all, because I think you should always be bold and go forth and work on new material. But that doesn't mean just looking at one perspective and then thinking you roughly have the idea and then training it that way 40 times. So right. what you want to avoid when training on your own is looking at something for two minutes and then starting to do it and then drilling that into yourself over and over and over after you looked at it for two minutes and then you've just decided how to do it. Like if you want to do that, so, you know, maybe if you, if your attention spans such that you can only look at it for two minutes, um, I would say really look at it, you know, but if your attention spans such that you can only look at it for two minutes, look at it for two months, do it, and then come back to it the next day and look at it again and see if you're doing it the way that the, that person's doing it. And then when you've done that for a while, look at it from a new perspective, you know, so, so I'm saying get the widest perspective you can on this thing. And then work with it as you're getting that, as that perspective is being clarified, you know? Yeah. So like Shionage is a good example. I, you know, maybe you've got a partner you can train with at home, whatever. Um, and so you do a Shionage. Um, I'm just picturing all the partners who have been unwilling partners in my life. But, um, uh, you know, so, like, you know, hey, we're going to do Shionage right now. Hey, um, you have okay. a couple minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me see your wrist. Um, uh -huh. But anyway, so you, you've got that, you know, and so you train, you looked at it and then you, you do it a little bit and then you go, okay, why do we do Sankyo? Why does that exist? And so then you li listen to people talk about Sankyo and what that means. And maybe you do some reading on Sankyo and what that's about. And then you look at pictures, like still pictures of how Saito does it, how Yoshiba does it, how um, uh, Shiota does it how whoever right bum, 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 bum. and then you do it again and you ask why would this person do it this way and this person do it that way you know and and you start to nail in on it and i mean i'll give a perspective you know so when i was looking for a while at the ura version of nikyo um and i was really trying to refine what i believed nikyo was as opposed to just the way it was given to me um i looked at a lot of still pictures of different teachers doing it and then I realized something uh, that Yoshiba does it on one shoulder and Saito Sensei does it on another. And so then it's like, oh, well, how does, um, you know, are there any pictures of Takeda doing it? There's not. Um, are there any pictures of um, Saito Sensei, or not Saito Sensei, are there any pictures of uh, Kishimura doing it? Yes, there's tons. How does he do it? You know, like, and so by going through this, you can start going like, why would Yoshiba do it this way and Saito do it this way? And like, are they consistently doing it or can it switch? You know, like this is the process. You got to like investigate it like a, like a detective or something, you know, and that's how you're, you're rooting out the, what it really is, you know, and, and 
you know, at a low Q rank, you need to do this because you don't know what the fuck's going on. But at a higher rank, you're going to also have to do this because you have to understand what your Aikido is. And you need to be able to explain for yourself why you do it that way, right? So this is something you're going to need forever anyway, so you might as well start developing it now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the closer and closer that you get to your black belt, you should be able to kind of suss out, you know, why your school does it the way that it does it, why you do it the way that you do it, even if you do it kind of not the best version that you feel you could, you know, why you're making the mistakes you make and how you're working on those mistakes and, um, you know, how you maybe would (laughs) teach someone else to do that and like start working through all that stuff because that's what you should be working towards as you get to your black belt and understanding the system as a whole. That doesn't mean you're perfect at it, but having a a view of, of everything. Right. Yeah. Do we answer the question? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a big question, you know, and, and basically just, you know, how do you not ingrain bad habits? And so I think the first thing to ask yourself is what's a bad habit and what's not a bad habit and what is training it and what is knowing about it? You know, right. what are the difference? Those four things will tell you a lot, you know. Um, and then from that, it's like, who do I emulate and why? And how close can I emulate that person? Um, and then from that emulation, the next step up is, you know, what's the true understanding of this technique and, and why does it work? How does it work? What's right. going on with it, you know? And that can be as simple as, I mean, I have spent literally six months doing nothing but thinking about how my feet move. I mean, you know, you can yeah. spend a lot of time thinking about why this is, stuff is what it is. Um, and that's how you develop your Aikido and what your Aikido is. Yeah. And, and I think being okay with... Uh, being taking time with something as simple as footwork uh, or sabuti if you're doing weapons um, to really like piece like take every like pay attention to every piece of it so you know spend a week just focusing on one particular thing and let everything else right. go that's right right you know it doesn't matter you you might be getting some bad habits but it's fine because you're focusing on this one thing once you have that one thing brought it out to a different thing and a different thing and then maybe you'll have to go back to that first thing um but instead of just going like ah i gotta get everything i gotta get all of it perfect right now one time screw it i want a specific you know i just want to be able to to take to do a proper uh footwork a proper step with just without any preparatory motion at all i just want to focus on being still step and take just do that over and over and over. Yes. And there's still ways even if you're, you know, don't if you don't have any partners um, living with you, any unwilling partners who are uh, in your uh, quarantine vicinity, um, there's still ways that you can uh, even outside of your dedicated training time, there's still ways that you can um, play with those concepts that you're working on. I was just thinking about when you're cooking dinner. Um, try and make sure that you have haragi for everything you right. do, you know, because normally, you know, sometimes you reach to the cabinet and you reach out to your side and your arms way outside of your body uh, for one entire cooking session. Just focus on everything haragi, you know, so if you're reaching up to the cupboard, turn your whole body to match your, your hand so it's still in front of you, you know, something like that to where it's like you're not technically training because you're making dinner, but you are right? because you're trying to, you know, consciously pay attention to making sure that you are you know are you're working on that right um so there's lots of ways that you can still play with that um even if you don't have any unwilling partners to <laughs> or willing or unwilling partners to work with um and i think too even though it feels like you're at a disadvantage if you're by yourself um it's kind of you get the advantage of being forced to be creative 
Um, and that really is a cool advantage, like Chris was saying. Like, it, you're, you're forcing yourself to think outside the box on stuff. And so if you can make some kind of weird contraption to – you know, uh, estimate a person, you know, then it'll allow you to go, I'm using this broom as my partner right now. And it kind of works for these things, but it doesn't work for that. Well, why, you know, why does this broom suck as your partner right now? Oh, because its arms not bending and, and the arm bending is an important part of doing this technique. And that will allow you to even reflect on like, why is this not working? Oh, it's because of this. And you can have a better sense of, you know, what your techniques or whatever it is you're doing. I always felt that training by myself i i liked it because what i would do is force myself to it forced me to really understand the technique on both sides because i would be i would have to think about okay how do i do the technique and then i would have to flip it and go like how do i receive the technique and if i couldn't do both then it was like i didn't i don't understand understand it and then to chris's point before it was you know as i'm uh, thinking about the movements or whatever of the technique i'm also feeling like what does it feel like right. you know i'm doing this little uh, uh sankyo thing, thing. <laughs> uh and i'm sure other people do this but um you know where i'm i'm miming as if i have the sankyo and turning but i'm i can feel that as i'm doing it i can feel how that would it would be if there was another person there right so that's what i would do as i'm going through these techniques and i think that really can help and then in terms of bad habits, just be aware that, like, you're not going to get everything, uh, and, and that's fine. I think that's that needs to be, our, like, our closing you point, know. which is, like, there are things you're going to miss because you don't know everything right. yet. Um, but just be okay with that. And, and some training, even if it's incorrect, is still better than no training because even if you're missing some point in your training, you're going to get other stuff right. right. And so, like, do some training. Even if you come out of quarantine with the only improvement uh, being your rolling has gotten right, way smoother, right, right. that is still something. That is still something amazing. And I guarantee you, not only that, but everyone else is going to be feeling like they're in the same boat as you, no matter what their rank is, coming back into the dojo after weeks of not being in the dojo. Everyone's going to feel yeah. a little rusty. Everyone's going to feel like, oh, what did I do? I didn't learn enough. I didn't work on enough. And so everybody's in the same boat right now. So I think also uh, focusing on things that give you rolling was a good example. Uh, the, the feedback is there. You know when right. you take a good or a bad roll, right. right? So it cleans itself up in a lot of ways, um, and that's the same thing with hitting, actually hitting things when you're doing sabuti. Um, it cleans itself up. So if you can focus on things where like the the bad habits work themselves out right. a little bit, I think that's a good one. And then the other thing is, if you're really feeling a bad about it or have questions, don't be afraid to yeah. you know talk to your instructor, you know videotape yourself. Um, find ways to to get that the feedback you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important to reach out, and I think especially right now, a lot of people are feeling kind of isolated. Yeah. Um, and and forgetting that like it's you know it can't hurt to ask. Like yeah. it really can't hurt. To like ask. you know even if it's not your teacher, you don't feel comfortable asking them. Like Josh said, yeah, you know a higher ranking student would probably be happy to talk to you about yeah. Aikido. Yeah, yeah. Especially to tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I don't do it quite like that. Let me tell you why I do it this way. Right. Um, 
That said, uh, we're putting out a ton of videos for the last three weeks now or so. Um, I've put out videos um, five or six days a week. So there's a ton of videos out. Um, I'm sure other teachers are doing that. I've seen other Aikido schools posting little daily workouts and yeah. things. So so try and stay connected with your dojo. And if you can't, like if that's not available, try and stay connected to the larger community of Aikido because we are coming out of this thing eventually. And when we do, um, we're all going to want to yeah. get back into we'll, training. We'll so. be ready. Totally. I yeah. wouldn't... I wouldn't worry about the bad habits too much. Yeah, you know, really. Yeah, uh, at this point, you know, just train. As long as you're, as long as you're doing your best to train in the way that your instructor uh, taught you, or or you know, have good information. You have good information coming in. As long as you're training as close to that as possible, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, we're at 39 minutes, folks, so uh, yeah, we got a, we got a podcast. All right, here. so uh, let's go ahead and thank our patrons. All right. Um, thank you so much, you guys. It really makes all the difference. We actually just um, purchased a what? new um, recorder for yeah. our podcasting equipment. Um, it's way more uh, high-tech and will let us balance each of our tracks separately because I know sometimes we have trouble where like i'm too quiet or you know yeah so so you know like we we run off a mixing board right now so we can individually do the tracks as it goes into one line but in post if it's if we miss something then it's like oh well there's no way to make maya louder or josh louder or me quieter or or whatever it is you know right yeah if if josh uh, coughs on the microphone there's no way to mute him (laughs) for a second right exactly right so so now we'll have the ability to put all four tracks so so later if there's problems with one track we can just take that track out so hopefully that will make it an even better listening experience. So you for guys you. made that possible. Thank you very yes. much. So so we super appreciate you guys. <laughs> um, so thank you so much to Barrett Lippy, Ben Bear Rustler Aldrich, Brian Crowley, Brooke Ferragamo, Christopher Asio. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, Constantinos Andrew, Dave Dewberry, Flor Hanowick, Francis Cordone, Franz Martinson, Grant Templin, Hillary Jones, Jim Gallant, Jim Sullivan, Lenny Acuna, Lisa Klein, Marcin Chis, Matt Mumford, Matt Riley, Michael Heed, Ocon Ayrton, Randy Stewart, Sam Sulian, Scott Burns, Sension Center, Sharon Okada, The Hatchet Man, mm-hmm. Thomas Polino, Tommy Siv, and Yuli Simgu. Thank you guys so much. I'm okay. surprised more people haven't uh, realized that they can just put whatever they want in that little <laughs> thing, and then we just have to read whatever they, they put. <laughs> Maybe some people are just normal and they just like their regular name. I, I mean, guess. maybe. You know, yeah. I, I would like something like Superman Boss or something. Superman like, I mean, that sounds awesome. Like the boss of Superman sounds Superman great. Superman Boss. I think, I think um, Ben, Bear Wrestler. Oh, Aldrich, that's hot. He has it the best because he has his name. So oh, yeah. He can get still, recognition. You still know it's yeah. Ben Aldrich. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then he also has the cool nickname yeah, in the middle. He's a Bear Wrestler. He's a Bear Wrestler. So if bears are giving you trouble, call Ben. Yeah, he <laughs> he's wrestle. your man. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So uh, also I'm trying to uh, – I'm doing a ton of online stuff right now, maybe too much. But um, I, I want to make a little online community for everyone who listens to this podcast regularly um, so we can talk about um, different ideas and things. So so hopefully that's coming in the very near future. Um, also an outline of my approach to Aikido is being written um, as we speak, um, both in a book form and in a, a more online uh, resource available way. Um, so there's a lot of stuff coming out. Um, so if you're Jones and for Aikido, we're hopefully going to feed that yeah. that monkey on your back. Yes. 
Um, tip of the week is tip of the week. <laughs> tip of the week is um, be kind to yourself right now. Um, I know like, that's, that's that nice. sounds so dumb. It's, no, um, it does. But like, I mean, but I but I really feel like I don't know. So earlier today, Josh and Chris and I were at the dojo trying to film. Don't tell things. people that we were out while we're supposed to well, be sheltering no, in place. Well, there's no one else at the dojo. I mean, I'm just kidding. Just, okay. Um, so we were there and we were having some real trouble with sound just because it was raining and there was too much noise in it the background. Raining. And we kind of had to throw up our hands on doing videos for today. Um, and so sometimes things just like it, it's difficult. And so I think it's OK to kind of give yourself a break right now because everyone's kind of in a weird place. Everyone's kind of a little bit stressed out and no one's in their normal groove. So it's OK to like give yourself some space, cut yourself a break. If your training's not perfect, if you're not training as much as you want or you're not feeling up to it or, you know, you're feeling like you're doing something wrong, like it's all going to be okay. Like we're all kind of in that same boat right yeah. now. So, yeah. you know, if you're not, if you're not getting enough done that you want to, or you feel no motivation to do that, like it's all weird. Yeah. So it'll get back on track and, uh, you know, just, uh, keep supporting each other and, you know, reaching out to each other and stuff and we'll get through this. Yeah. There you go. I agree. Yeah. That was a good tip. <laughs> Thanks. I, my, any reluctance I may have had at the beginning of you starting that. I <laughs> I'm glad I, I, I resent. I resent. That's a great tip. <laughs> what Josh just basically said was, oh, that sounds like a stupid tip, is what his initial thought was. Oh, here we go with oh the dumb my one. God. Here we go like, again. Oh, she saved it. Thank Gonna God. Gonna hug some Thank trees God. or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. We will talk to you next week.